hope you have been enjoying the book so far. If so, please give it a like. Okay, so now on to chapter 3. If you're new here, go back and first listen to the introduction, chapters 1 and 2, and then come back to listen to this chapter. But for those of you who are current, here is chapter 3 of my book, The Boy. This chapter is titled, Baby Travelers. To save my voice, I will allow the AI to read for me. I hope you don't mind. So now, here is chapter 3. Chapter 3 Baby Travelers Dante Phillips, also known as Dan, also known as Danny Boy, rubbed the sleep from his beautiful dark brown eyes as he crawled out of the sleeping bag he had wrapped around his skinny body. He looked around for his travel companion Arthur Chamberlain, but Arthur's sleeping bag was empty and there was no sign of him. Dan sprang to his feet looking around desperately for Arthur. His breathing became fast and anxious, and his little heart began beating in his chest like a drum. He walked out of the cave they had slept in last night and called out for Arthur. Arthur! Arthur! Where are you? He sounded as if he was close to tears. Then off to his left, he heard the sounds of footsteps crunching on dried twigs and leaves coming towards him. Through the shrubs he saw the baby-like figure of Arthur, using a stick to hit the bramble out of his path as he moved through the woods. Relief flowed over Dan, and a smile appeared on his lips. His heartbeat slowed and changed its rhythm to joy and relief. Dante Phillips became an orphan five years ago when his parent died in a horrific car accident caused by a drunk driver. For his fifth birthday, his parents had saved up enough money to take him to Disney World. They were on holiday from the Caribbean, and after the accident, with no relatives to take him in, he had become part of the system. Having not been adopted, he was moved from the orphanage when he was nine and sent to live in a home for boys. He hated it there and prayed every night that someone would still somehow adopt him and take him away from this place. But that never happened. Instead, he was bullied mercilessly because he was small for his age and African-American. Every night he would cry himself to sleep and pray for someone to take him away from there. Then one day Arthur arrived and everything changed for Dan and Arthur immediately befriended him, and they became inseparable. They played together, ate together, and though boys were put in groups of four to a room, somehow Arthur managed to get them in a bigger and nicer room for just the two of them. They were given toys to play with, something Dan had never had before. The only toys he had were those he had made out of milk cartons and bottle covers. Then something else happened. None of the bullies dared to hurt him. In fact, they were now scared of him and Arthur. Arthur was only three feet tall, still with most of his baby fat that somehow looked like muscles. He commanded himself as if he were an adult, born years ago. His thick British accent and vocabulary were exemplary. He wore a three-piece suit made of wool and only had a few of them. He would never wear the clothes of the common man. His words. So, what he had, he alternated. Seeing a child dressed like this was strange, and at outings, people would stare but he was never bothered by it, going about his business with such grace and poise that no one would dare make fun of him. Dan grew to like him so much that he didn't care what Arthur wore. He was just happy he had a friend, and things were starting to look up for him. As the months passed in the home, the boys grew closer, and so when one day Arthur told him they would be leaving soon, Dan was ecstatic. He would go anywhere with Arthur, and made sure he knew it. Finally, the day came, and Arthur 
who had somehow mesmerized the kitchen staff into giving him a sack full of food and water, gathered all their measly belonging and got ready for the escape. When night fell, they walked out of the home unchallenged. Dan marveled at how things always seemed to go right when Arthur was around. People somehow always did what he asked, and when they left that night, even the ever-vigilant Mr. Crosby, notorious for his beatings, was fast asleep at the security desk. Dan didn't mind. He was free and was with his best friend Arthur. They walked for miles that night, until Dan had to beg him to stop. Arthur never seemed to get tired or needed sleep. Eventually, they found an old factory building, set up camp, and slept there until morning. Dan woke up the next morning to see Arthur smiling down at him with a food container filled with eggs, waffles, and bacon. He handed it to Dan with a bottle of orange juice. Dan was astonished, and though the food was cold, it smelled fresh, as if it had just been cooked that morning. He quickly gobbled it all down and leaned back happy and satisfied. They were finally free, and he was happier than he had ever been in his short life. This was how life was from then on with Arthur. Arthur kept Dan fed and sheltered, somehow finding places for them to take their rest where no one would bother them. Sometimes, during the day, they would stand outside restaurants and pretend to be waiting for their parents, and every time the waiter or owners or even the patrons themselves would take food out to them or even invite them inside to eat. After eating their fill, they would jump up and run away pretending to see their parents. They usually travel at night because Arthur said it was safer. This was so no one would catch them and send them back to the home for boys. They would camp in old, abandoned buildings or in the bushes off the road, and somehow Dan was never scared. At least not anymore. He would be so scared to camp in the woods when they first started. But Arthur would put his little, almost baby hands over Dan's face and gently rake his fingers down from forehead to chin, and immediately his fear would disappear. Arthur had to do this a few more times, and now, knowing there was nothing out here to hurt him, and with Arthur by his side, Dan was no longer afraid. Well, sometimes, at times, over the first four months that they had been traveling, Dan would wake up to find Arthur gone and call out for him. Sometimes he would appear next to Dan, scaring the bejesus out of him with his sudden appearance. Other times, Dan would wake up to find him gone in the middle of the night, and he would be frantic. He would appear soon after and would reassure him, telling him that he was either peeing or taking a shit or just went to look at the stars. He assured Dan that they were best friends, actually brothers, and he would never leave him, not in a million years. Dan grew to trust him. He had never really had anyone taking care of him before, except his parents. This was taking some time to sink in. It was now going on six months of being on the road, having no final destination or any plans. Arthur always said they were on an adventure, one that would never end. So, they kept walking from state to state and city to city with no ending in sight, taking in the sights and having the time of their young lives. For the last four days, they found themselves in the mountains of North Carolina. It was just after 5 p.m., and the sun was going down over the horizon. They were in a place called Cashiers. They were walking up highway when they spotted Alexis James. She was sitting off the road, drinking from a bottle. At first, she was startled by their approach, but when she saw they were two little kids, she mellowed and became concerned. They reached her and stopped. She stood up looking down at the two ragged kids. One was a little taller than the other. He was about four feet. The other boy a foot shorter. 
The taller boy had on a t-shirt with the face of Michael Jackson and the word beat it written above it. He had on old and worn blue jeans and scuffed up dirty white sneakers that had seen many miles. His baseball cap had also seen many days. They both looked and smelled as if they desperately needed a shower. The little one, a foot shorter than his companion, was a surprise. He had on a full three-piece wool suit and a page boy hat. He was dressed as if he was from the 1940s, and when he spoke, he also sounded as if he was from that era. His suit was worn, but you could see it was of good quality and would have cost a pretty penny back then. Though beaten to hell, his shoes were also of the highest quality. Well, hello, gentlemen. How are you doing on this fine evening, Alexa said, mimicking the accent of what she thought someone who wore a suit like that would sound like. Good, Dan said, responding first, not caring how she said that. He walked up to her and took off his knapsack. He laid it on the ground and sat on the grass close to the spot where she was sitting. Arthur stood looking up at her with his piercing blue eyes for a few more seconds as if sizing her up. Then he spoke in his confusing baby voice, but with adult intellect. The question is, how are you, my dear lady? Alexis laughed in surprise. You are really in character, aren't you? So cute. She reached out to pinch his cheeks, and he backed away, looking at her, daggers shooting from his eyes. Oh, sorry, me lord, I do declare, she said, laughing harder now. He doesn't like to be touched, Dan said, hugging his knees and turning his head to look up at her. Oh, so sorry, sir. Just don't do it again, Arthur shot at her. Look, I said I am sorry. Now, where are you two off to? You live around here? She asked. We don't answer questions, Dan responded. Arthur stayed silent, looking up at Alexis. His eyes bore into her very soul. Are you running from the law or something? Oh, oh, are you guys bank robbers? She said, cracking up again. Annoyed, Arthur turned to Dan and said, Dan, we need to go. It will be dark soon. Dan sighed and got up. He was getting tired and needed them to stop and rest soon. But he knew Arthur was finding them somewhere to sleep, so he did what he said. He was still only a child and needed to be taken care of. So having Arthur make all the decisions and provide for him was a blessing. Aw, come on guys. I was just playing. Wait up, Alexis said when they started to walk away from her. Dan turned to Arthur and saw he was stone-faced. She quickly picked up her bag and walked to catch up. Can I come with you guys? I just need a place for the night. Turning to Arthur, Dan said. Can she come, Arthur? Arthur stopped and turned to Alexis. We do not live around here. We are in search of a campsite. It is quite likely we will be camping in the forest tonight. I saw a cave nearby and a river running near it. I think that is where we will be staying. You are free to join us if you wish. Cool beans. I would love to join you, she said, mimicking the accent and giggling to herself. Arthur stayed to look at her for a few more seconds, unamused. His eyes squinted in anger, then turned to continue on their journey. They continued to walk up the road. Then as if familiar with the area, Arthur turned and led them onto a track into the forest. They walked for another two miles, and sure enough, there was a cave. They could hear water close by, flowing and gurgling over rocks as it makes its way to the larger river. Say, how did you know this was here? Alexis asked. Surprised. He always knows stuff like that, Dan said, dropping his bags and plopping down on the shrubs. Don't ask questions, Arthur said angrily, 
and started to gather wood for the fire. Alexis sat beside Dan and, turning to him, asked, Who is this, your little brother? He is my friend, he said, then added softly, and my brother. The way he answered told her she would not be getting more from him. So, she remained seated by Dan, watching Arthur walk around the bushes picking up sticks in the dark. Little did she know that soon the cashier police officers would be picking up her body parts in the same fashion just hours later. I'm going to say goodbye here. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow with Chapter 4, Where's Alexis? I am LT Bartek. Love you. Bye.